Welcome to the In Faith Podcast. What's up, In Faith family? Welcome back to another episode of the In Faith podcast. It is great to be back here with you guys again. Um, it seems like with the holidays, we end up um, not in such a bad way, but we end up taking a week off here, a week off there. You know, we took a week off for Thanksgiving, um, spent some time with family, took a, a, another week off for um, Christmas, spent time with family. Steve, you were in um, Texas um, with family, and it, it, this year... I don't want to limit it to just this year because it does seem like it's been um, the last maybe few years or so that um, the end of the year kind of gets a little hectic and I'm not leaning more towards um, the chaos of uh, the shopping and uh, all the, the, the stuff that um, it seems like holidays like Christmas have become. It, it's more of... I feel like that this type of or this time of year is when, at least, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Um, we we seem to go through a lot of um, trials, and we we were kind of talking about it uh, for a bit earlier on the the perception of trials and um, how we see them today, which kind of got me thinking of the. I'm hesitant to use the word fail, like failing through trials, but it, 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 it does happen. It does happen to where, um, you know, we, we call it a trial and we can't necessarily jump to the conclusion that we're being put through a trial rather than this is just everyday life. I mean, things don't always go the way we anticipate or plan them. And, and that doesn't mean, even though in a lot of circumstances, the first person we turn to to ask why is God, you know, and and we know that God uses everything to His glory, to His plan, to His purpose. But that doesn't necessarily mean He put these hurdles in front of us. You know, I I, I see it a lot with more severe circumstances. Well, He God allowed this to happen, or He did this. What did I ever do to deserve this? And and you know what what I go through. Um, or what I'm going through is nothing near that um, level of severity, but it, it does make me stop and question, is this something, uh, is this a test? Is this a trial? Um, mm -hmm. Because we do know that he'll allow things to happen. Um, and, and in the midst of allowing certain things to happen, there's, I, I do believe that there's a lesson that can be taken away from it. Not, I don't necessarily think that everything that happens to us is a, a purposeful, um, purposefully placed there to teach us something, but definitely that there's something to be learned through almost anything. And kind of, kind of what it, it's been a roller coaster last few weeks, and I won't get into to too many details, um, but it, it has had me kind of wondering what <laughs> what kind of trial am I going through. You know, is it a, is it a trial of patience, you know, and what is the takeaway? 
what is the takeaway? And then it got me wondering, you know, what, how many other people kind of feel the way I may feel right now where it's like, man, we, how many times do we go through something and fail? Not at what we're going through, but fail to see who we're supposed to turn to in the midst of those hardships. And I don't necessarily mean, oh man, I'm, I'm failing as a Christian, but sometimes, yeah, we do get so caught up in the midst of um, what's going on that we could see things like lack of motivation to even open the scriptures and find those answers, knowing that we will get peace when we seek that through the Bible, when we seek that through God, when we, um, in a sense, cry out and ask for it, we can seek that comfort. But what happens when we get so caught up that we lack the motivation or lack the drive to even turn to that place we know we'll get our comfort? Yeah, I think that's... I mean, you're hitting on the main point there, always a a turning to God. But I think there's something to how we turn to God also. Um, I find that if I'm asking too much why, that I'm already sliding around in the wrong place. Because um, it's not about the why, it's about the what would you have me? do now because what has happened already has happened you know whether it's something that uh, god specifically put in my path or whether it's something and this is most of the time that i caused my path mm -hmm. <laughs> to end up this way um and it's not what i had anticipated but if i just deal with the idea of okay this is where I am. This is where I am right now. And what would God have me do now that I'm in this? And then the hard part comes with feeling like you're not hearing or knowing. Mm -hmm. Because there's also that other level. You're so you are where you are. And you're asking God, okay, now what? A lot of times in the back of my mind, I know. Hey, now what? I already know it. <laughs> but I don't necessarily want to do it. And um, some of my, what should I do now, God, is almost a pushing off of, of the next step. Maybe I can get a better answer from God than what I already know I should do. I mean, I, it's a lot of places I don't, I can't say always, but I try not to look what's going on and try to determine why mm -hmm. it's going on or what, like you're saying, is what is it God's trying to teach me so I can make sure I learn it, you know? Well, if God's doing the teaching, he's going to make sure I learn it. <laughs> I can't, I just got to keep going, you know, through it. And there's that baseline of what I know Christ has called us to do. And I got to stick with that baseline regardless of what's going on, you know, and you don't let the things slide that, uh, that you might want to, I might want to turn into myself and just, uh, you know, shut out the world and try to comfort myself with, uh, 
you know, as much food as I can find or, or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but well, that's not what he's called us to do. And that makes me think too, the longer we ask why, and it makes me think because I found myself doing this before, one of two things will happen. The more I ask why, the more I'll either A, start to come up with my own answers and start to answer my own questions with whatever is clouding my mind. Mm-hmm. Not even to say, oh, I answer my, my whys with the right answer. They're always wrong, you know, because they're in your head. Yeah. So you start to think, well, logically, why? And then all the mess and noise starts filling your head. So you start to kind of answer, well, maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I did this. And as you were saying earlier, it's like, I, I don't think God operates the way we would. Right. You know, if, if we were actually in control. And then the second thing is the impatience. The more I ask why, the, clearly the more I'm asking why, the longer I'm going through this, right? And then I start to think, well, maybe I can get ahead of this. I need to act now. Instead of waiting on that yep. answer from God, I, t- I tend to, the, the more I ask why, the more I'm like, okay, well, I got to do something. And sometimes patience, which which is my biggest struggle, one of my biggest struggles is patience, is the answer to just lay low, sit back, stay in prayer, and see where God leads you. But as mo- uh, just as most things in life are, it's easier said than done. And that's not like an out that I'm using, oh, it's easier said than done. That's my excuse. It's, it's more or less, it is true. A lot of, um, a lot of things in life are easier said than done because we, we could have all the answers to what we should do right in front of us. And mm-hmm. then when we reach that point, it, it seems like we look everywhere else except right. for the answers that were right in front of us. Cause we don't want to, we don't want to do them. Yeah. So then I, I'm like, okay, I got to act now. And then I'll jump to make a move and it doesn't work out. And I'm like, man, what, what else? And then I'll jump to make another move. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work out. And then you start to cloud your head with, man, man, nothing's working. It's rolling downhill. It's one thing after another. Or simply, are we trying to jump ahead sure. of what God has for us? What, what God is doing, were we not allowing him to work? Yeah, sometimes we already know that he's orchestrated something for us. And it's basically a definite. It's right there. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen yet. We even know it's not going to happen yet. (laughs) But then we start doing all these, I don't know, backup plans, so to say, uh, because it hasn't happened yet. And I've got to make sure, you know, I've got to do something myself, like say we, we have to do something, and sometimes it's the do something. Mm-hmm. It could be what God, the do something in waiting for this thing that God's already set up for us, and we see it. Yeah. The in between that might even, and I don't want to, you know, you don't know, but the lesson may be in what you do in the meantime. The lesson may be in are you turning to God? Are you doing the work that He's already called you to do in the meantime all the things when you were so busy 
And you said, I wish I had time to do this for God. Oh, Once you're man. not busy, are you doing those yeah. things? You know, and, and that can come to mind where you're like, okay, all these lies I told myself that I would do this stuff for God if I just had the time. I got all the time in the world. And now I'm filling it with a bunch of worry and, uh-huh. and, and, you know, things to safety net stuff for myself, just in case what I can already see God has set up for me doesn't pan out. Jumping ahead. And, mm-hmm. it's, and that's so true. And you're kind of hitting the nail right on the head too, because, um, a part of this, uh, roller coaster, um, is, I mean, it all kind of, uh, it, it, everything is working its way out. Because God is in control, right? right? But uh, it's it's funny you mention that because it is one of the many things that are um, that I guess seem to be taking some turns. Is um, a couple weeks back, I I was um, given an opportunity, and I I took the opportunity, and it it's it's a great opportunity, um, but I thought it would in order to get me over there, it would be kind of seamless, a fast transition. And here I am two weeks later, still waiting, but it's one of those things, like you said, it's, it's already been confirmed. It's definite. God's already shown that it's, it's there that he's presented this and placed you here. But then the holidays roll around and those holidays weren't, I guess, taken into consideration by, either me or um, the company or, you know, we all kind of forgot what time of year it was. And then now I'm, um, you know, I, I do have a start date to get into this opportunity, but it's, it's just, uh, it's a waiting game now, mm-hmm. you know, it's waiting for that day to come. And I've, I've done just that in the meantime, instead of being really on my knees in prayer and allowing God to equip me to what he has me going into. I've been impatient. I've been worried. I've been stressed. You know, and not to mention, you know, we have the, the surgery with the dog comes up and things like that. But in in all these things that seem to not be going our way at the probably the worst time in of the year, I found myself forgetting that one aspect. Mm-hmm. What am I relying on? My own worry myself or God. Right. And sometimes when we come to that realization is when we start being Job's friends to ourselves. So it's easy to get caught up into that. Yeah. Because now you have realized, Oh man, I've been blowing it, you know? And then you start saying, like you're saying, you wonder about these trials. Is God throwing all this stuff at me because I'm blowing it? And, uh, and I got to do it, but that's, that's the same thing that Job's friends were saying to Job, you know, here's the cause. You're a big sinner. You got to confess it, you know? Um, but as we learn in Job, that's not it. You know, things happen for different reasons. Job had no idea why things were happening to him, you know, in reality, it's because he was good, upright man. And God wanted to show that even if horrible things happened, he would continue to believe and trust in God. Oh, yeah. And that lesson is still that lesson for us through life everywhere. You know, the bad things that happen to us, whether or not, you know, 
for me anyway, bad things happen to me a lot of times because I've done stupid things. Mm-hmm. But uh, bad things can happen out of nowhere, something we have no control over. And if we start being Job's friends in our head and thinking, oh, it's, you know, because of this sin that I never paid for or that kind of stuff, we're just flat blowing it. That's not, I mean, it seems like in reading Job, that's not how God's working. That's not what he's doing. The idea always is to stick with God, no matter what you're falling into, no matter what kind of sin you're in the middle of even, you know, because it happens to us and we want to avoid it and not read the Bible or not face God, but even if we're in the middle of sin, that's where we got to go, straight back to God. I like that reference to being Job's friends to ourselves. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what they did with him. It's like, hey, man, look, are you sure you didn't do something Mm -hmm. wrong because God wouldn't punish you for doing something right? Right. And he's sitting there, and I don't know. I don't believe I have. And then... They're like, well, you must have done something, you know, think long and hard on it because this doesn't happen for no reason. And granted, although that was true, it wasn't happening for no reason. He also wasn't being punished mm-hmm. for something he didn't do or right. what have you. But we do, we do start to, and I'm, I'm guilty of it over these last couple of weeks, starting to think, man, was it because, you know, I, I, I didn't tie it that one time. Right. I didn't, you know. Right. And we're not Job. Right. So Job's actually able to go in and go, no. I didn't sin against God. I didn't do anything wrong. In our cases, we're like going, oh. Well, I, I can did. think of a hundred things right. I didn't do right. <laughs> That's just yesterday. So. <laughs> that was before I woke All up right. this morning. Yeah. I could, I could think of things that, you know, it's, and it's, it, I think we get so caught up too in not only being hard on ourselves, but we have to be careful not to be as hard on others too, mm-hmm. because rolls down it does and not a single one of us are immune to it Uh -uh. nobody's immune to trials and none of us are immune to um tripping up in the midst of those trials we all do we all will yeah and and in some cases are more behind closed doors than others but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen so a lot of a lot of what we try to do on this podcast is um, show a little bit of transparency that even when you're um, in a position of leadership or you're leading a study or hosting a podcast or doing a Sunday sermon, um, a lot of the perception is leaned toward, oh, well, if they're in a position to teach or um, instruct or preach, then they must not go through trials the way I go through trials. And that is the furthest thing from the case possible. So a lot of what we tried to do, and and probably one of the biggest reasons I feel God put it on our hearts to do this podcast is to make it more transparent that no matter what level of ministry you're in, what where where God has called you to, that there's you nobody's immune to trials, and right. also um, kind of. Uh, well, I'll say uh, failing in the midst of those trials. We do. We, we we slip up. We we get caught up in our own heads. We get caught up, like you said, being Job's friends to ourselves. Yeah. But then who do we blame? <laughs> you know, and I hear it so much. And I used to do it too until I heard this, that one saying. I used to be like, oh man, the, the you know, the enemy's messing with me. This is him putting everything in my head. And, and, and now the scriptures do say he, he he's out to kill, still, and destroy. He right. is a manipulator. But we, we've talked about it before. 
he only has as much power as we allow him to have. So we can't even say that, oh, well, um, he's in my head. No, we are in our heads. Yeah. You know, we're in our own heads, allowing this to take place, allowing us to become Job's friends to ourselves, and start to ask, well, man, uh, is it, did I, did I make that move too soon? Should I have waited it out? Should I have, is it because I, I, I wasn't generous right. enough? And none of that matters. None of Quite it. Quite frankly, none of it. Cause we are where we are. We've got to deal with what is mm-hmm. right now. And we don't fully understand or know why. <laughs> why we are where we are. You know, we don't have that whole picture, but we know we're here and we know Jesus is the answer. And we know us focusing on Jesus. Right. Will be the answer too. you know, uh, somehow. And it doesn't mean that we immediately get it. It doesn't mean that we don't keep slipping down a slippery slope. Even right now, even in the midst of asking Jesus, we can be slipping into stuff. Um, and, and, questioning what is the best path well and i do believe and i'm not saying i i i'm 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 perfect at practicing it um but i do believe that each and every one of us is where we're right where god has us doesn't matter where you're at each one of us is right where we're supposed to be where god has us now um for a reason and sometimes we don't always understand it but if we're outside of where God wants us to be, it's one of two things. We put ourselves there in not being reliant or obedient, or we're not where he wants us to be. We took a turn somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to learn where he does want us by, again, that reliance. Go back to relying on him. Okay, God, I think I took a turn I wasn't supposed to. Right. Um, where do you need me? Right. But in this case, I don't. I don't feel that. Right. I I, I feel the um, the 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 chaos of worldly problems. Not. Um. I, I went off without you. Right. <laughs> because um, there was prayer. There was prayer involved. There was confirmation involved, and um. I just think it a lot of things that are probably are the bigger of the problems is my own impatience. Yeah. I think you mentioned one thing there that I think we have to be careful with. I think it's real. You mentioned confirmation involved. I think that's real. But we have to be careful with it. We could mistake it. We like to call all kinds of stuff confirmation, I'm afraid. Oh, we there do. are times that, you know, where you're just not sure and then almost anything can happen. And if what, and if it points towards what you want to be true, what you want to happen, you can make almost anything seem like it's confirmation. confirmation. Kind of like, so we think about Paul that we've looked at, you know, in his trips and stuff. Um, Well, he was locked up. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by snake. Um, all these things are happening. There's plenty of people out there that would say, well, Paul clearly wasn't in God's yeah. will or all that stuff wouldn't happen. Yeah. Well, he clearly was in God's will. The shipwreck will. would have never happened yeah. if he was where God wants him. But no, that was just the case. Yeah. All of that happened because he was uh, taking the gospel uh, everywhere, you know, and by whatever means. And yet we see that God, uh, we see that Paul realizes it. You know, Paul wanted to get to Rome. We're reading a letter to the Romans, you know. 
how he wanted to get there because that was a church he didn't start. It was started by people that uh, you know had left Jerusalem and and made it up there, and then uh, Gentile believers were were there running it and everything. So it's a church he had never been to, which was you know different from Paul. We keep saying how he's planting churches and these different uh, missions that he goes on. So I'll add to it then, um, because I don't I don't think so much in you know saying wherever we're all where God where we're at is where God wants us. Right. Um, was it was really more toward like uh, believing or turning uh, confirmation into your what what am I trying to say? Um, comparing confirm God's confirmation to my own confirmation. Right now. And I'll add to it because yeah, there's, there's a lot of times where matter of fact, I'm even confident to say most of the time that if there's a trial in the way, God wants you there. It's because God has you on the right path because none of these, none of these roads are, um, straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. None of these roads are smooth sailing. We see that with Paul, right? You know, his journey was anything but smooth sailing, but it was worth it. Well, and Jesus promised that, right? Exactly. In this world, you will have trouble. He even promised them. He said, hey, this world has hated me. Mm-hmm. It's also going to hate you because of me. So, I mean, those are promises we don't want. <laughs> but there were promises given anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and we see that. Like, like we said, you know, Paul ended up in Rome because he was taken there as a prisoner. Not the way he wanted to go to Rome. But yeah, he was told he'd <laughs> preach in Rome. He just exactly. wasn't told how he was going to get right. there. Right. And, you know, at some point he realized that. At some point he saw, oh, this is how I'm going to get there. You know, uh, certainly not what he would have chosen. He would have gotten on a river cruise and, and been in Rome, and that would have been awesome. But Well, I don't think he imagined being imprisoned there for so right. long either. Right. And... Maybe when he thought he was going to go preach in Rome, it was to all these people, not the right. prison guards. And and he meets the people with the Church of Rome because they're the ones that are taking care of him while he's imprisoned. Um, you know, I think there's some things to suggest he was let out and and stuff along the way. But even you know, uh, as we learn in a lot of these historical studies, the way those prisons worked is you had to have people um, supporting you from the outside. See, I think the reason, I can speak for myself, the reason um, I think we use Paul as as such a um, kind of benchmark for what to do in the midst of trials is because he kept such strong faith in the midst of all his trials. Now, if we're going to talk about trials, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that come close to what Paul went through. Right. And again, we're not comparing what Jesus went through to what Paul went through. What we're just comparing followers of Jesus. And, um, even the trials we face today are, um, nothing close to what Paul had to endure and still get up on the, the, the mountainside and give a message or get up in front of all these people and give a message or, um, continue to preach God's word so boldly in the midst of being persecuted and, or, um, 
you know, chased down and ran out of towns. And even in, in, in 16, where he returns to the town that he was chased out of, he returns to the town where they um, tried stoning him in. Mm-hmm. And we see in a couple of other places where the towns went after him. They went, <laughs> people from a town that just tried to stone him, go to the next town where Paul now is and rile up the people in the next town against him. So, um, I think they'll Paul's trials were specifically because he was giving the gospel, because he was devoted to giving that word. And that's that thing in the middle of our trials. Maybe we don't know what we need to do to resolve whatever, you know, thing we're going through. But one thing we do keep doing always, no matter what we're going through is to give the gospel, is to tell why we have hope um, and that it's all because of Jesus and, uh, you know, continuing to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God. Those are the things that we know that we're always supposed to continue doing. And those are the things that we can't allow ourselves to stop (laughs) doing and self-pity to come in or whatever else. Well, and I think in Paul's time, I think about the timeline. And in, in the place the world was in, then not like, you know, the world is that much of a better, <laughs> heading into a better direction nowadays. But, um, you know, in, in the time of Paul, they they needed that shakeup. The world, it needed to be shook up. Each town that they went into and and stirred everybody up, it needed to happen, especially after Jesus had already come, yeah. died for the sins. And gave that direction to continue right. the gospel. There were so many that thought that everything Jesus did died with him. Mm, they hoped. Yeah. They hoped. But God couldn't let that happen. So they were in a time where, okay, we, Jesus came, shook everything up, but we couldn't let that shake up die down. Right. So then Paul <laughs> right. comes through meant politics in the midst of many other disciples. I mean, it even um, you know, we're talking about in, in chapter sixteen where he was returning to um the same place he was chased out and and attempted to be stoned. Um it, it, he also went back and and took, you know, a couple other young younger converts on his next journey with him. So he wasn't just going by himself or with his own um, few people to each town. He, he would go back to these converts and and then bring them back along to mm-hmm. disciple them, train them, teach them, so that they could go on their own journeys and continue spreading that gospel. And right. that's another thing, um, you know, that that could be looked at as um, kind of an example is. Paul didn't just take his order and go preach by himself. He didn't say, well, this is my calling, not yours. Um, I go do this. Right. He was gathering as many people as he could that yeah. would were willing to go spread that message. When you think that's part of specifically what Jesus said, to go into all the world and make disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, we see Paul very much doing it. We see even with, yeah, I, I always think of John Mark who was with Paul and Barnabas 
And Paul and Barnabas got in a big fight over John Mark because they were like, Barnabas said he's good, he should go with us. And Paul's like, no, he abandoned us, I don't want him. Um, but even him, the time he spent with Paul was a giant piece of what made him the disciple that he turned out to be. The, you know, the teaching that he did with Barnabas and Cyprus, which history tells us when the two of them went back to Cyprus. Um, and then apparently he was also very close to Peter and wrote the Gospel of Mark from, uh, from talking with Peter. So, I mean, a constant making of disciples. We've got John Mark. We, like you said, in 16, we see about Timothy uh, for the first time that uh, was a, uh, definitely a disciple of probably the one we know the most that we think of as being a disciple of Paul because of the letters that he wrote Timothy and stuff. Yeah. Well, and at the time of Paul's return to Lystra, um, Timothy was, I believe, rather a newer convert. Um, or I guess on the newer side, I don't know the time frame, but, um, we do read that Paul did receive news that Timothy was progressing quite well, you know, and in, in his, um, Christian faith. Yeah. I don't know. It was through his mother mm -hmm. that his faith came and she was Jewish, his father of Greek. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's interesting here. That, uh, again, to not make waves at the church because Timothy uh, had Jewish heritage, he went ahead and said, hey, Timothy, you ought to be circumcised before we're doing all this, just so people listen, not because it's a law, not because it's something that uh, Gentiles need to do to convert, but Timothy had a Jewish mother. So it seems like he's saying, okay, because you have this Jewish heritage and you're coming with me, let's go ahead and do this. Which, right. it, which in a way was kind of weird too, because if we look back at, um, you know, Paul's time with Titus, yeah. he, he, he kind of put his foot down and stood firm on the fact that he didn't need to be circumcised. Because he wasn't a Jew. Yeah. Right. And it, it was more, so I started looking into it a little more and it was, you know, kind of more in the case of, you know, Titus was, Titus's circumstance. <laughs> I almost said the wrong word. Yes. Yeah, yes. so Titus's circumstance um, was more of a question of, of fundamental Christian doc doctrine, whereas um, with Timothy, it wasn't the case. You yeah, know, it was false teachers were in, insisting that, you know, full-blooded Gentiles like Titus had to be circumcised right. in order to be saved rather than um, just having that or coming from, you know, like you said, the, the Jewish heritage. and Right. Because I feel like Paul here is thinking, okay, like, Timothy, you should have been circumcised already. I don't, you know, through Jewish customs, mm -hmm. being Jewish through your mother's side. You know, this is something that should have happened, uh, is, what, is what the Jews are going to think. That should have happened when you were eight days old. Yeah. So, to not offend them in Jewish traditions with Timothy, we need to go ahead and, and do this. Now, I haven't researched all that or anything to, to see, but that's the way 
it seems when you read through this on that, also based on the other, you know, the decisions that they got when they went to uh, Jerusalem, that uh, Gentiles, like you pointed out with Titus, don't, shouldn't get circumcised, but here Timothy was a Jew. So I did find this in, in comparing the two instances that with Titus, Paul recognized this as um, a denial of the sufficiency of Christ's work. Um, so in his case, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't stand for it. So he wouldn't allow it. Um, but with Timothy's case, it was more the, the people of the area knew that Timothy was Jewish from his mother. Right. Um, so Paul, Silas, and Timothy were going, moving forward with their, with their work. And that was more, um, like, like you said, uh, to not offend the, 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 the Jewish. Yeah heritage so if they knew that timothy wasn't circumcised they might refuse to even listen to him right so it was more of kind of like you're not even a good jew right why, more why of an accommodation listen? to um set him up for the success of mm-hmm. spreading the gospel rather than somebody saying you can possibly be a believer because you're not right yeah and i think all those types of things are Things that we could, they could be pitfalls for us, right? <laughs> because often, often, I feel like we want to be more like the Pharisees. And we want hard and fast, black and white rules for everything. Everybody either should or shouldn't do something. And, and there's nothing in there. But I think Paul shows us. That, you know, even like, is Paul, is Paul the one that said when in Rome? <laughs> I don't even know if he said that. <laughs> but he said he was all things to all people. So, I mean, Paul understood that uh, he didn't want to offend the people that he's bringing the gospel to. And in that circumstance, you do certain things. And I think that's still true for us today. Anything that doesn't go against what God has for us, if it can help us spread his word for wherever we are, then it's not a bad thing. You know, if we adopt some trade or custom or something, we're not saying we have to have it to be believers. We're simply adopting some trade or custom to not offend the people that we're sharing the gospel with. Right. And yeah, we see that in, you know, first Corinthians say he was made all things to all men that he might by all means save some. Right. And yeah, the, the continuing on in this um, reading, yeah, the interpretation that Paul's circumcising of Timothy was in order to gain an audience for the gospel with the Jews. Yeah. Um, seems to be strongly implied by the words and circumcised him because of the Jews for they all knew that his father was Greek. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's that line between, um, I guess, I don't know, would you say it was more of like a, in a respectful accommodation? An accommodation, yeah, Rather than, good. you know, like, again, with Titus, you having people say, well, there's, there's no way somebody like him could become one of us because he's not. Right. Rather than, 
Um, we're not going to go out of our way to offend anybody. We want people to listen to the word, not reject it. And in this case, um, it, it would it would have been more insulting to the Jews to yeah. to go in and not at least somewhat fit in. Right. Yeah, and you think about uh, if anyone wanted to make it some sort of hard and fast rule, how it can get sort of messed up and thinking to where it could literally turn into, well, anybody that uh, gets circumcised is not a good Christian because that's not something that you should do to be a Christian. Um, and that's not really the case at all that they're talking about here. If it's something that you want to have done, then there's no problem with having it done. It doesn't make you a better Christian or not a better Christian. I mean, and depending on the uh, where you are in the Western world today, um, circumcision is probably the norm. Yeah. Well, and I <laughs> has think nothing to do with being a Christian or not. And, and even to this day, just on an off note, even to this day, I I still can't imagine. Um, <laughs> having to go through that as a grown man back then, as opposed to like the modern medicine we have now and pain relief and things. I mean, we won't journey too far down that route, but I I still can't wrap my head around it. I mean, um, I, I don't even think I want to know what the procedure was back, yeah. back then. <laughs> you want to know how sharp the knife was. <laughs> Hopefully sharp enough yeah. to not be dull. But, but, um, we, we can, there, there's a huge takeaway from that because how often do we run into it today? And I think that's probably one of the biggest turnaways for making disciples or, um, reaching potential converts is that same aspect. We yeah. tend to put this um standard on what it means to be a christian or what yeah. the standards are what the rules are what we should the should and should not do's and then put ourselves in a position to implement that on others yeah it, it's probably one of the biggest turnaways i think um just in general in the world today that has been long i don't want to say forgotten but has been put on the shelf yeah. Um, and not by everybody, but I mean, you do see it quite often. It's, it's putting that, that judgment or that standard on somebody and saying, oh, well, um, you can believe all you want, but don't call yourself, um, a, a full Christian if you're still struggling with this or that, or you're still doing this or that. But we can look back to that story in Paul and say, well, no, because with Titus, they were kind of doing that same thing to him. And, Paul intervened and wouldn't stand for it and said, no, this isn't a requirement to yeah. be a believer, to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian. Right. You know, it, it may be an accommodation of other um, religions that he, he stepped in and, and allowed to happen, but it wasn't a requirement. And I think, I think um, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in trying to throw those requirements. Mm-hmm at each other yeah. and saying, well, this is what I feel the standard is, or we'll even go back to the Bible and say, well, this is what the Bible says about the standards of being a follower. But then we completely leave out the, um, the parts where those sins are dead. 
when they died yeah. with Christ, those sins are forgiven because they've been forgiven with Christ. And we, we tend to leave out, we love to leave out um, the grace and the mercy parts of the mm-hmm. Bible until they apply to us. <laughs> right. And, and again, when I share this, I'm not saying that's, um, you know, a, a personal conviction, but I'm saying I see it so much. Right. And maybe there was a time I saw that in myself. There's a time I saw that in others. There's a time I, I just be walking down the street and, and um, out in ministry and see um, bits and pieces of that. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone in particular. I'm just saying it's, it's easy. It is. It's easy mm-hmm. to get caught up. And I guess if you're on the other side of that spectrum where you feel that you need to be at a certain standard to go to Christ, I, I, I hope that I can be that one that breaks that barrier by using this example of Paul and describing how those two incidents differ. I hope yeah. that this, this episode can kind of do that for somebody out there that you don't. You don't need to be at a certain standard or a certain point in your life to go be with Jesus. Right. You just need to get there. Right. And he will get you where he wants you to be. It's just like we were talking about on on a previous episode. I don't remember which one in particular, but I, I do know we've talked about it on this podcast that um, the story of the, the guy that asked the pastor if he needed to quit doing all this to be a believer. And the pastor tells him, you know, do you... Do you clean yourself up before you get in the shower? Yeah. And he says, no, I, just, I get in the shower to get cleaned up. And he said, exactly. Same with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Same with Jesus. You don't, you don't get yourself cleaned up or get yourself to a certain standard. You just go to him and allow him to clean you up in those ways that he sees fit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the idea then that we have to also keep is we don't take one quick short shower <laughs> as a quiz, oh, as a Christian. No. We and take become multiple daily daily showers because we have new daily dirt. Mm-hmm. And, and that continues on. Multiple showers a day. Yes. In Christ. <laughs> I'm not saying he you don't need to physically jump in the shower sure. multiple times a right. day, but hey, if it helps, not, if it helps. Right, but the idea that uh, that once you're a believer, then you're not slipping. Into the, and of course, society has the big things that it wants you to look out for, you know, like sometimes to be a, uh, um, you know, a leader of any kind of small group or anything at a church. You know, they want to make sure that, oh, you're not um, you know, doing this, that, or the other, whatever the, the big sins they think about. But I'm not sure any of those deals have ever said, we want to make sure you're not gossiping um, on here, which, you know, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough thing that, that's out there and happens regularly, you know, but it's... That's why you call it prayer, so it doesn't, it's not perceived as... I'm joking. No, but I know, but it's just, <laughs> it's odd, the things. Gossip and call it prayer. The things, you yeah, know, that's like. That's a thing. The people say, well, no, there's there's no drug use, you know, there's no alcohol and all this. I'm signing stop saying I'm not doing any of that so I can lead a Bible study. But, <laughs> but, but I never had to sign anything that says I'm 
I'm not uh, gossiping about people. Well, and I mean, we're, we're, you know, the standard on gossip. I mean, that's, that's even in the scriptures of, you know, being something that's, that's un, unholy and unrighteous. But I mean, um, it's not loving your neighbor. It as is yourself. definitely not loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, and it's probably one of the biggest things that anybody, believer or non, can get caught up into. Yeah. And it's hard too because you got to watch out, um, especially because it can creep up in the, the fashion of not even knowing you're doing it. Yeah. Can creep up in sharing. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I mean, what a good standard not to uh, don't say anything about somebody you wouldn't tell them personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a good. And (laughs) see, there's even a backdoor to that because, you know, how many times as, uh, you know, you heard somebody talking and then they won't say it until it gets brought up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did say that, by the way, now that I'm in backed up into a corner. Mm -hmm. And then turn around and be like, oh, I did. I, I didn't say anything. I didn't tell them already. It's like, no, it's because you, you got caught. You're right. You got busted. That's <laughs> why you told them. They found out before you told them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something I think we're all guilty of at one point in time. But it, it's just like anything else is, like you said, it's not uh, a shower once and you're done kind of thing. It's yeah. It's a daily lesson it's a daily growth it's and it's more than just a uh a continuous uphill rise i mean yeah some of these uh some of these hills are steep yeah and you are gonna slide one on the other side but are you gonna allow yourself to keep sliding back down to the bottom there you go on the other side never become complacent or friends with that sin in your life Mm -hmm. when never suggesting that it's never one of those you're never fully going to get rid of your sin, so why bother? Mm-hmm. Because of, I guess, the the different ways. Like, say, Jesus boiled it down, made it easy to remember that we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. In doing that, you know, loving our neighbors as ourselves, well, we know we can know when we're causing pain to our neighbors by whatever we're doing. You know, and chances are, if we're causing pain. To a neighbor, uh, actual pain to them, then that's that's some kind of sin that we're involved in for that. On the side of loving God is something that, uh, you know, it took me a long time, even as a Christian, to realize, well, that's the idea of disappointing God um, with how we're doing or being or, or ignoring or <laughs> whatever we're doing. You know? Yeah. To think about that idea of, you're not loving God if you're disappointing God. And that's very true. I had something just there and I forgot where I was going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> We're all sure that it was brilliant. So we can uh, rest in that knowledge that, <laughs> that there was a gem lost and it will be found. Eventually. I felt like I had uh, a direction to add on to that, but uh, anyway, it, it's not coming back. So moving on. Yeah. I remember we talked earlier just before coming out of uh, the, uh, the different idea of when we were talking about trials. 
Yeah. You know, how we per- perceive, we, see, them. we perceive them now. I think, you know, as you were saying, it's kind of like a, this is what a trial is. And, um, it, it's not just that one kind of in particular trial that makes it a trial. Yeah. We, I think we get caught up in mistaking more things as a trial that really aren't. Sure. I, I think, I mean, I guess in that case, you would have to determine what truly is a trial that, that God is allowing you to go grow through and what is just something that we're looking at harder than we're looking into God. Yeah, and I guess if we lose, if we use the term trial perhaps more loosely, our entire life here on this earth right now is essentially a trial. Yeah. Essentially is our learning point. We're pilgrims passing through, um, citizens of heaven already. But we're going through this life to learn how to be decent citizens of heaven for, you know, all eternity hereafter. Right. So this is all one big training ground. Our whole life here and now is one big training ground. So you think we tend to um, break down one single segment trial into like 50 different trials when they're all just a part of the same one? Yeah, which I'm not saying is is bad. I'm just suggesting that that yeah, it's a trial because everything is, all of this is a trial. I mean, um, if you're using it in that terminology, you look at Adam and Eve. I mean, they had that fruit just staring them in the face every day. Um, little trial, you know, what do they do? They did, quite frankly, they did exactly what God knew they would do. Right. And somehow we needed that. That was the trial that started all trials. Yeah. <laughs> but it was real. It was real right. trial. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, you know, the better thing would have been to avoid eating that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So not every time, um, you know, something doesn't go as planned is necessarily a trial as yeah. opposed to just, we're going <laughs> a rough it's time, yeah. you know? And uh, e- even in the midst, you know, we do, we do need to seek God in everything. Yeah, we do because even always. even in the midst of those trials, we're told in James that we can seek joy. Well, I think our seeking of God is the joy, and should not be the why. Um, if, we're just too curious of creatures. We really are. We all, always want to know why to make sense of it. Right. Well, we're also control freaks. So yeah. we the why is often uh, I want to control this and I want to know and know why so i know how to fix it yeah or <laughs> it's not our job <laughs> i hate to say this or so my testimony will sell better i'll have yeah. the why and everything you know uh in the middle of it but the 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 thing we want to be asking god is not the why the thing we want to be asking the god is what what do i do now what you know do i do anything you know maybe <laughs> maybe you've already got this and all I need to do is, you know, sit on my hands for a minute and uh, watch you, God, do this wonderful work. Yeah. 
There, there, there has been times where even I've looked back on, you know, my own things and said, you know, maybe I was just supposed to sit still, mm-hmm. be still and let God work. And, and when we suggest sitting still, we're never suggesting not doing the things you know you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of being still in the face of this, as we're calling it, trial mm-hmm. that you don't know what to do. Yeah, as and not that you try don't and take control. Right. And you don't have to do anything right now. Because sometimes we're forcing decisions about our circumstances when we don't have to do anything right now. We just want it done. So we say we have to do it now. Yeah. I wonder where that that uh I wonder where that got embedded into us and having to have everything worked out now. Well, just like, why did she eat the tree of the fruit of God and Adam ate it too, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that fruit? Because they wanted to know. They wanted to have control. They didn't want to be anything less than God already was. And I'm afraid that's true with us. At the same time, we, we don't. We don't want to be anything less. We want to know. We want to know why this is happening. We want to uh, know what it's supposed to teach us. We want to know all that stuff. In addition to that, I think we're we're just too way too curious for our own good. You know, I I think of uh, you know that same that that same situation where you know why why did they eat the fruit? She was like, why why did we touch the red? light on the stove when we were told as a kid, you know, um, when we're told don't touch that when it's glowing, it's hot. We had to touch it anyway because we had to see if it was really going to happen. And, and sure enough, you know what our parents told us, it's hot. You're going to get burned. You did. Well, Well, just as God told them, yeah, don't do this. They were like, well, what happens if we did? They're too curious. Right. Because of that temptation that we have, we don't trust God. We don't trust our parents. We don't trust people that have our best interests at heart, right, frankly. I mean, Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil, and what he was saying was, you can't trust God. You can't trust that he's got your best interest in mind when he's telling you not to eat this. Mm-hmm. You're not going to die, and it'll taste good. Yeah. Eat it. Well, we think, who could, who could have the best interest for us rather than us? Ourselves, right? Yeah, we think we... Yeah. even have our best interest. And all I got to tell you, I've and led we, myself and we down. should know better. <laughs> <laughs> I've led myself down roads that, you know, were not best for me, knowing mm-hmm. they weren't best mm-hmm. for me, but I'm like, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Didn't take God with me that day. Mm-mm. Yeah, he was there anyway. Uh, we're not looking at him, though. Nope, not looking. Can't look at him, but he's still there. Mm-hmm. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So even in those times, we're not looking. He's still there. Right. And when it all starts falling down, we didn't want to take him on that road. But further down that road, when it's all falling apart, we want him on that road again. Isn't that weird? Wanting to think we don't even, at that point, allowing ourselves to get that far down before we realize that we left him. He didn't leave us. Yeah. Well, and that's odd, too. Because in the initial stages... Just like you said, I didn't take God with me that day, and you knew it, and you purposely didn't take God with you that day. And yet, we somehow convince ourselves later on 
when everything bad has happened and we have the nerve to say, where was God? Well, you're the one that didn't take him with yeah. you, you know? Well, and I think even though we don't take him with us, he's still, yeah. And that, I guess that's the, the sad part too, is we can say, you know, I, I didn't take God with me that day and that's where I went wrong. Yet he was still there. Right. He was At still any, beside me watching me do all this stupid nonsense. Any moment you can invite <laughs> him in. Any single moment. And can you imagine, you know, going down this road and he's right next to you and you thinking, oh, no, don't don't want your input yet. Didn't ask for it. Right. And he's sitting here saying this, this you know better, you know better, you know not to, to do this. And oh, oh, I didn't ask for for uh, the two cents and it's like <laughs> that that i mean it's a, it's a hard way to perceive it but if you look at it on paper that's exactly what we're doing yeah when we say oh man i messed up by not taking god with me that day well he was with you the whole time you you just didn't want his two cents and that was it's a, it's, a, it's pride it's arrogance it's selfish it's again going back to relying on the the the, the superpowers we think we have, you know, we think we're unstoppable without him. And it's funny how nobody else sees my cape. I don't understand. Because <laughs> we drew it up ourselves. We look hard enough. We don't even see the, uh-uh. the cape, but in our mind, it's there. I mean, it's, it, it's a learning process and, and, one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest misconceptions I had first coming into becoming a believer was that everybody else had it right to the T. And then it was a, a kind of a shock when I figured out that the people I thought all had it together mm-hmm. still struggled. And I had to come to the realization that we're all in this together. We all are not immune to the setbacks. We're not immune to the trials. We're not immune to um, those to, to, to getting caught up in focusing more on the problem than God as the answer. Right. What matters is that we realize it. I guess at some point and reel ourselves back in. And sometimes I think we we have to let God reel us back in Mm -hmm. and he'll do so by things like fellowship he'll do so by um opening your bible and the reason i use that is because there was a point in time in the midst of everything going on the last few weeks there was a couple of times that i've completely discouraged myself and even opening that scripture knowing david you're going to find comfort if you open this Mm -hmm. And then think, oh, I got to figure this out, and then I'll seek comfort. <laughs> well, <laughs> God's already got to figure it out. The same thing. I've uh, instead of opening the Bible, I can end up opening a stupid game on my phone because I feel like I don't want to have to think. Yeah, <laughs> it's embarrassing to admit. And it's but... always a strategy game too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think, but I'll focus on this strategy puzzle. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because you think you can figure it out. That is something we are in control of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now that you mention it. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know because I do it too. Right. <laughs> right. So 
instead of, like you're saying, instead of reading that Bible that would bring comfort, that would bring knowledge, that has all the wisdom of God in it, I do something stupid instead, mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I just, I just don't want to think. I just want to chill for a minute. And, but the best way of doing any of that still <laughs> is, is reading that Bible. So I have an idea. I have a challenge, actually. Uh-oh. We're going into, we're ending the 2023 when this airs. It'll be New Year's Day, 2024. Perfect time to start a new year on the very first day. And here's my challenge to ourselves and to everybody out there listening. New Year's is a time where a lot of people, they we make New Year's resolutions and there you go, great for a week, and then we fall back, you know, and it's kind of become the the New Year's joke, you know, the the, the resolution will last um, a month at best, and then we're right back into the swing of things. So let's not make the resolution, but make the challenge going into this next year that we challenge ourselves to pray in the midst of anything you're going through, you know, whether it be a full-on trial or whether it be something that just didn't go as what we planned. Let's pray to challenge ourselves in turning to prayer as opposed to turning to the problem, turning to God as opposed to focusing on what we need to do to make this better when he may already have it, worked out and just needs to we we just need him to guide us Mm -hmm. so i'm not big on the the new year's resolution thing i've made enough of them to let myself down (laughs) and um i i just i just think there's no better time to start than now when it comes to something that could benefit us in christ yeah that can strengthen our relationship that can strengthen our overall health because if anybody um you know knows enough about worrying about everything and having it take a toll on on your energy your mentality your overall health i mean i'm i'm probably one that has been guilty of it um probably the most out of a lot of people i know (laughs) worrying used to be my best friend and sometimes that best friend come and pays me a visit so even this is a challenge to myself, and and with that challenge comes a challenge to everyone else, um, just to pray, take time, even if you need to, in the midst of um, something you're going through or something that's not panning out. Instead of jumping straight to the problem or even the resolution of the problem, take thirty seconds before doing that and pray. Spend a little time with God and see if he doesn't already have a route worked out for you. And see if that doesn't strengthen the relationship and the way we, we perceive problems. Because we've talked about that too. Becoming a Christian doesn't alleviate your problems, but it does change the way you perceive them. It doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact we have problems. And if anything, we're, we're, we're told we're going to have more problems we can just perceive them differently because we know we're covered. So that's my challenge to ourselves and everybody else out there who's listening 
let's go into the year knowing we're covered and see if that doesn't change our perception of those problems that we face. Anyway, we thank you guys for joining for another episode of the In Faith Podcast, and we pray to see you again next week. God bless. <laughs>